It's better is one day in your courts than thousands elsewhere. You're listening to an audio teaching from Cross Connection Church Houston. We're a small church located in Pasadena, Texas, and it is our mission to save the lost, equip the saved, serve both the lost and saved, and to send the equipped. To this end, we teach through the Bible on a verse-by-verse basis, starting at the beginning of a book and working until the end. If you would like to learn more about our church, you can find us at connectedtojesus.org or check us out on Facebook at Cross Connection Church Houston. We pray that this teaching would grow you in the grace and love of Jesus Christ our Lord. Most homes that have small children have some kind of growth chart that they have somewhere in the house and uh, they use this growth chart to mark the height of their child and then they put the date at uh, when that child was at that height and uh, Jenny's parents have what they call the grand stick and you can see it there in the picture and uh, it's there in their kitchen and you know it's for all their grandchildren to come each time they visit and you know be able to measure their height and you know so every time that Scarlett and Eden go there to Alabama. You know, they love to get measured on the grand stick because if you know Scarlett and Nina, they both want to be very tall. Uh, and so they're excited to see how much they have grown each time they visit. And, you know, imagine how shocked, how distraught Scarlett and Eden would be if, you know, six months had gone by or a year had gone by and they go to their grandparents' house and they go and they see where they were six months or a year ago and they go to measure themselves. And instead of discovering that they have grown, they discover that they had shrunk. Well, I can guarantee you that they would be horrified at that reality and they would double and triple check and they think, surely someone had messed with the grand stick. Surely it couldn't be possible that they had shrunk and not grown. And as a parent, if my girls really did shrink instead of grew, you know, that would be, you know, something that I would be concerned about because at their age, the the most important thing and the natural thing for their uh, maturity is for them to be growing, not shrinking. And so I would probably respond by taking them to a doctor to get them checked out to to make sure there's not something wrong because that would be a sign that perhaps there is something wrong. Now the reason I share this is because our physical growth has a lot of similarities to our spiritual growth. You see, as Christians, if we have a healthy spiritual life, then the reality is we should continually be growing spiritually. But if you discover that instead of growing spiritually, you are shrinking spiritually, then that is a clear sign that something is spiritually wrong in your life. Now, that was one of the problems that the initial recipients of this letter to the Hebrews had. Instead of growing spiritually in their relationship with Jesus, many of these believers were shrinking, were declining spiritually. And so the author of Hebrews chooses to give a warning to these believers about the fact that they are not spiritually growing, but instead they are spiritually declining. Now, as you can see from the outline on the screen, this is the third warning that the author has given to his recipients in the book of Hebrews. The first warning was, don't drift away from Jesus. The second warning was, don't doubt and harden your heart 
towards Jesus. And now we have this third warning of don't decline spiritually. Instead, you need to grow spiritually. Now, this warning is actually quite long, as you can see. It starts at chapter 5, verse 11, and goes all the way to chapter 6, verse 18. And this morning, we're just going to cover the first part of this warning, which is just uh, the end of chapter 5. And the main focus of the first part of this warning is a contrast between the spiritual immaturity that these believers have versus the spiritual maturity that they should have, especially considering how long they have been believers. Now, I'm sure that all of us as adults have had times in our lives where we have acted like immature kids. I'm sure that we have been places where we have seen adults act like immature kids, and perhaps it would be just an adult throwing a temper tantrum for not getting their way, and when we see something like that, where we see an adult that we would expect to act maturely, act in this immature way, you know, there's something within us, whether you actually say it or not, you're thinking it, we just say, you know what, grow up and act your age. You know, that's kind of how we're thinking when we see people who should be at a certain level of maturity that are acting very immaturely. Well, that's basically what the author of Hebrews is doing in this warning. He's shouting to his readers, grow up and act your age spiritually. Now, remember, one of the main reasons for the problems that the Hebrew Christians were having, all these warnings, you know, come back to one main problem. And that main problem is that they have been greatly persecuted for following Jesus. And this is the reason that they're drifting from Jesus, that doubting Jesus. And it's really one of the reasons now that they are declining spiritually instead of growing spiritually. So because of the circumstances around these believers, because it was so difficult with all this persecution, it's leading them to spiritually decline instead of spiritually grow. And I think that reality is super relatable to us, especially considering the year that we just finished in 2020 that has been so difficult. We need to recognize that, you know what, oftentimes when some circumstances around us become very difficult... We have the tendency to be like these Hebrew believers where we can decline spiritually because of those things instead of grow spiritually because of those things. And I think that should be a big warning for us. Now, the difficult circumstances that the Hebrew believers were in, that's not the only reason that they were spiritually becoming immature. It was one reason, but the author here in these verses that we're going to look at this morning, he's going to reveal three other reasons why these believers have gone from spiritual maturity to spiritual immaturity. What was it that was causing them to decline in their spiritual lives? And we're going to see these reasons this morning. And as we look at them, I just want you to examine your own life and see, are any of these three things in me? Am I doing these three things? And if you are, I want you to recognize that these things cause immaturity, not maturity spiritually. And I think it'd be great to ask yourself the question, in 2020, From the start of it to the end of it, did I see spiritual growth in my life or did I see a spiritual decline in my life? 
Now, if you're honest with yourself and you come to the conclusion that, you know what, in 2.20, I actually saw a decline spiritually in my life. As you listen to these three things that we're going to look at this morning that caused the Hebrew believers to decline spiritually, and you say, you know what, I have one of those or two of those or three of those in my life. One, I want to encourage you this morning, get before the Lord and repent. But also, I want to encourage you that today is a new morning. And the Bible tells us that God's mercies are new every morning. So this morning you can make a commitment to change the way that you've been. So even though last year might have not been the year of spiritual growth that you would have liked to have or that you should have had, 2021 doesn't have to be the same. We can make a commitment to have a different year full of spiritual growth. Now we're going to start by looking at the first reason why these Hebrew believers declined spiritually, were spiritually immature, and that's in verse 11 of chapter 5. But I want to start by reading from verse 9 just to kind of give us a little better context to what's happening, just a reminder of what we looked at last time we were in Hebrews. So starting in verse 9 says, And having been perfected, he became the author of eternal salvation to all who obey him, and called by God as high priest according to the order of Melchizedek, of whom we have much to say and hard to explain since you have become dull of hearing. Now, if you remember in the first 10 verses of chapter 5, the author is making the case for why Jesus is qualified to be our great high priest, and not only that, to be greater than any other high priest who ever have lived. And he focuses on three areas of qualifications that a high priest had to meet in order to, or a person had to meet in order to be a high priest. And those areas were the appointment of the high priest, the work of the high priest, and the identification of the high priest with the people. And the author showed in those verses how Jesus meets each one of those qualifications. But the most important area that the author of Hebrews needed to show his readers that Jesus met was in the area of the appointment of high priest. And the reason that area was so significant is because that would have been the area that right away these Hebrew believers would have said, wait a second, there's no way Jesus could be appointed as high priest. And we looked at the reason why. Because God in the Old Testament said, if you're going to be high priest, there are two things that have to happen. First, you have to be from the tribe of Levi. And second, you have to be a firstborn descendant from the first high priest, which was Aaron. And they would say, well, wait a second. We know that Jesus is not from the tribe of Levi. He's from the tribe of Judah. Jesus is not a firstborn descendant of Aaron. And so Jesus, in their mindset, could not have met that requirement for being the high priest. And that is where the author reveals something quite fascinating about the fact of why Jesus can still be high priest even though he's not from the tribe of Levi, not a firstborn descendant of Aaron, because he says, you know what? Jesus' high priesthood comes from a completely different order than the high priesthood in the lineage of Aaron, that Jesus is a high priest according to the order of Melchizedek. Now, the author brings up this fascinating individual, Melchizedek, and Jesus' connection to him in both verse 6 and in verse 10. 
And you would think that now he's just going to jump into explaining this. Like, whoa, this is so uh, uh, fascinating that there's this whole different order of high priesthood and Jesus is connected to it. But before the author goes into explaining this, he pauses. And he decides, you know what, I need to take a moment to give a warning to these believers. And so he changes direction. And he gives us the reason of why he changes direction there in verse 11. He says, Of whom we have much to say and hard to explain, since you have become dull of hearing. Now, when the author says, of whom we have much to say, he's referring to Melchizedek. He just mentioned him again in verse 10. He's talking about, I got so much to say about Melchizedek and Jesus' connection and the whole high priestly order about that. But notice why the author isn't going to explain those things right now. Fortunately, he's still going to do it later on in this book. But right now, he says he's not going to. And the first reason is because he says, hey, they're, they're hard to explain. But notice the reason that these things are hard to explain is not because it's such a difficult topic. It's not because the author himself is incapable of communicating these truths or not skilled enough in doing it. The reason that these things are hard to explain doesn't have anything to do with the author and everything to do with the recipients of the letter. They're hard to explain because notice what he says, the Hebrew believers have become dull of hearing. Now, this is the first reason why the Hebrew believers have declined spiritually instead of grown spiritually. They've had this spiritual decline. Why? Because they have become dull of hearing. Now, this Greek word translated dull means sluggish or slow. It has the idea of being lazy, not having a desire for something. Now, typically when we use the word dull when it comes to learning, it's often in reference to the teacher. Oh, that teacher was so dull, and that's why I couldn't take anything from what they were teaching. And the teaching was so dull because, you know, typically there are a lot of dull teachers. Sadly, there's a lot of dull teachers in the church. And it usually comes back to the same reality of what this word means. These people are lazy in their preparation. They don't take much time to prepare anything, so when they get up to share, it's very dull in what they communicate. You know, I'll have to say that there's definitely been times in my teaching over the years that I have had dull messages, and it's really come back to a lack of preparation. And so I've always just made a commitment to say, you know what, I want to be as well prepared as I can so that I don't have dull messages. You know, and, I, and I've over the years gotten more and more frustrated as I listen to pastors who take the living, powerful Word of God and make it something that's just dull. And they, the Word of God is anything but dull, and I get frustrated when I watch that happen. But I want you to note something here in verse 11. When it comes to receiving the Word of God, there's two important elements that are there. The first one is, is the one that probably most of us think, well, you know, I can't receive it because the teacher is dull. And there's a truth to that. If the teaching is dull, yeah, that there's a problem. It hinders people from receiving the word. If the teacher's been sluggish and lazy in their study and preparation, it's going to come out in their communication of the word. But notice there's another aspect to why people don't receive the word of God like they should. And the second thing doesn't have to do with the teacher. It has to do with the hearer that the hearer is dull in their hearing. 
that the hearer is sluggish and lazy and doesn't have a desire to hear the Word of God. You see, sometimes people don't receive the Word not because they're not taught well, but because they don't listen well. They are dull of hearing. They're not interested in the message. I think we could all agree that the greatest teacher ever was Jesus Christ. Not once did He ever give a dull message. But you know, after many of Jesus' teachings, He made a statement that said this, He who has an ear to hear, let him hear. You see, Jesus recognized, I could give the greatest message ever, the most profound message ever, and yet it wouldn't impact each person listening. Why? Because some do not have ears to hear. Some are dull of hearing, and it doesn't matter how great of a communicator or great of a message I give, they're still not going to receive because they can't take upon the Word of God the way that they need to. Now, something important to understand about being dull of hearing is it's not that they literally have a hearing problem, that if we just give them a hearing aid, everything will be great, that there's kind of going deaf, and if we just raise the volume, things will be fine. This is not a hearing problem. This is a heart problem. When someone is dull of hearing, they have become hard-hearted to the Word of God. And that hard heart to the Word of God is causing some big motivation problems in their life. You see, when people are dull of hearing, they're not motivated to study the Word of God. They're not motivated to put the Word of God into practice and obey it. They just become lazy when it comes to the Word of God. And I'm sure that all of us, as we look at our Christian life, have had times where we can say, that's me. There have been times when, you know, I could say, hey, I was not motivated to get up early. I was not motivated to, you know, say, you know what, I'd rather study the Word of God than, than watch this show. Or I was not motivated for, for whatever it was. Or maybe even, you know what, I'd rather sleep in than go hear the Word of God taught at church. Or I'd rather go do something else. I'm sure all of us have had times where we're guilty and we can just say, you know what, yeah, I've been there I've done that. I haven't had that motivation that I should. Well, Jesus says something very important in Matthew 5, 6. He says, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. You know, hunger and thirst, those are pretty strong motivators, right? I mean, if you truly hunger because you haven't eaten for day after day after day, or you're super thirsty because you haven't drank anything for a while, I mean, your mind, your body, everything is just focused on, I need this meal, I need this drink. It's a huge motivator when you truly are hungry and thirsty. And Jesus uses that in connection with righteousness. That yeah, your body craves food and water, and if you have that hunger and thirst for it, you'll do anything for that. But are you that way spiritually? Do you have that hunger and that thirst for righteousness, for the things of God, for the Word of God? And and oftentimes, that's our problem. When we become dull of hearing, we don't have that motivation, that hunger, that desire for the things of God, for the Word of God. But notice here, Jesus says something, blessed are you if you do. If you have this hunger and thirst for righteousness, you're blessed. And he gives a promise that should be a blessing and encouragement to you and I. Why are you blessed? Because you're going to be filled. 
If you truly hunger and thirst for the Word of God, for righteousness, for the things of God, Jesus says, you know what, if you're pursuing that, if you're motivated towards that, I will fill you with those things. So the first reason why the Hebrew believers declined spiritually and were spiritually immature is because they were dull of hearing, lazy, and hard-hearted towards the Word of God. If you and I become dull of hearing, lazy, and hard-hearted towards the Word of God, the reality is it's going to cause us to decline spiritually. And it's not going to be like overnight I go from being real mature to being super immature. It's going to be this gradual decline that happens in your life. You know, God's Word is the most important thing we need to study and we need to obey if we truly want to grow spiritually. So if you become dull of hearing to the Word of God, if you've lost that motivation, that desire to study the Word of God or to listen to the Word of God being taught, if you just become lazy with giving time to the study of the Word of God, I want to encourage you that this morning you would ask God first to forgive you, but that would go beyond that. You say, Lord, I want you to give me a renewed hunger a renewed thirst, a renewed desire for your word that I would be motivated to take time to spend in it. That you would give me an ear to hear, a heart that's soft, a mind that's able to be diligent to study your word. And I would encourage you, just start this week by saying, Lord, I'm going to make a commitment to every single day giving time to your word. I think that's one of the best things that we can do to start the new year. I'm sure some of you have had New Year's resolutions of you know, losing weight, going on diets, getting more exercise, whatever it may be. But you know what? Those are good for physical things in our life. But spiritually, one of the best resolutions you can make is, Lord, I want to get in the Word more this year. I want to spend more time being diligent in that. So the first reason why these Hebrew believers declined spiritually, became spiritually immature, is they were dull of hearing, lazy, and hard-hearted toward the Word of God. And the second reason that we're going to see is here in the start of verse 12, which says this, For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the first principles of the oracles of God. The author says, by this time, these Hebrew believers, they ought to be teachers of God's Word. You know, what the author is saying is, hey, you guys have been saved long enough that now there should be a maturity in you and an understanding of God's Word from you that you should now be able to communicate to others the things that God has been teaching you through His Word. But since you're dull of hearing and lazy and hard-hearted toward the Word of God, you're not able to do that. Actually, it's even worse. You need someone else to come and teach you the first principles of the oracles of God. Now, this Greek word translated first principles is speaking about the, the basic starting foundational principles. So if this was in spelling, it would be the ABCs. Before you're going to learn how to spell, you need to learn the alphabet. And so that's kind of what the author is saying is you need someone to come and teach you just the basics of Christianity, the basics of what the Bible says, these foundational things that you should already know 
for the amount of time that you have been saved. And this is a big rebuke concerning their spiritual immaturity. They should be at a place much more mature spiritually than they are. They should be able to teach others the Word of God, but they're not mature enough to do that. I think something important to note is one of the signs of spiritual growth and maturity, if you're kind of looking at your own life and trying to determine, you know, am I growing spiritually? One clear sign of spiritual maturity and growth is that you get to a place not only where you are receiving from the Word of God, but that you are able to teach others the Word of God. That you're able to take what God is teaching you and use it to encourage and build up and bless other people. Now, oftentimes believers have this false concept that only pastors should be those who teach the Word of God and and no one else has that responsibility. But the Bible makes very clear every mature believer has a responsibility from God to teach the Word of God to others. The Bible tells us that the more spiritually mature women are to teach the less spiritually mature women. That the more spiritually mature men are to teach the less spiritually mature men. That the more spiritually mature parents are to teach the less spiritually mature children the Word of God. David Gusick wrote this, There is an important sense in which every Christian must be a teacher because we can all help disciple others. We really only master something after we have effectively taught it to someone else. Teaching is the final step of learning. I think that's always a great way to determine whether you really understand a doctrine in the Bible or or some passage of Scripture. You might think, "Oh, oh, I got that down. Okay, well then teach it to someone. And then when you go to do that, you can either discover, yeah, I really know that and I can teach it, or um, I I don't know it nearly as well as I thought. And, And teaching is just a wonderful growth in us, but it's also a wonderful blessing that we take what the Lord is teaching us and share it with others. And I want you to understand when I'm using this term teaching, typically we think of this environment. Well, I got to get up in front of the whole church and I got to prepare a message and I got to teach them. No, there's plenty of different opportunities and ways in which teaching can happen. Yeah, this is just one, but you could be at a coffee shop with someone just one-on-one and just say, you know what? I was reading this morning and this is something that the Lord encouraged me with and I just wanted to share it with you. It doesn't have to be something that you have put some, you know, five hours of preparation into, but it's just constantly being willing and ready to say, I want to share with others the things that God is sharing with me from His Word. And that's a clear sign that you're growing and maturing spiritually. But the problem with these Hebrew believers, that wasn't happening. They weren't doing that. They weren't able to teach others. And the reason why is because they weren't taking the time to be taught themselves. You see, the only way you're going to be able to teach or disciple or share with others from God's Word is if you are receiving from God's Word yourself. You don't have anything to offer if you're not taking in personally. And so this is one of those issues where oftentimes, like if right now I said, hey, I'm going to point to someone, I'm going to call them up, I want you to share what God has taught you today, some of you would panic thinking, well, I haven't spent any time in the Word, or or if I even said this last week, You see, the reality is if I haven't been reading the Bible, then I don't have anything really to share. I don't have anything to communicate. I don't have anything to to give to others. And so we got to be feeding ourselves first 
in order to be able to help feed others as well. So the second reason why the Hebrew believers declined spiritually, were spiritually immature, is because they were not teaching God's Word to others because they were not investing in God's Word themselves. Here's something I just want you to consider. You know, sometimes we have this mindset of, well, what's the big deal? It's just impacting me. Yeah, I'm not growing the way I should. And, you know, okay, so I'll stay a little more immature. It's only impacting me. You know, there, there's no big problem here. Well, the reality is, yeah, it is impacting you. And actually, that is a big problem. But it's even bigger than that. It's also impacting the people that you are now not encouraging. That you are now not able to use what God is teaching you and bless them. And so it's having a negative impact on those that you should be sharing the Word of God with. And as you look at our society today, there's a huge problem in the church because of this. There's an even bigger problem in the family because of this. And there's actually even a problem within our culture because of this. You know, the church functions properly when mature believers are able and willing to encourage and share and teach God's word to the less mature believers. Marriages function properly when a husband takes on the spiritual responsibility and role of investing and teaching and encouraging his wife. The family functions properly when the father and mother take on that, that responsibility of teaching and encouraging and sharing the word of God with their children. And you know what? Society functions so much better when Christians are willing to say, I'll take the gospel. I'll take the word of God to the lost. I'll share with people at lunchtime at work. I'll be a voice to communicate the important truths of God's word to people who don't know it. You see, when Christians don't mature to the point where they can teach others God's word, then the church doesn't function properly, the family doesn't function properly, society doesn't function properly, and it causes a lot of problems. You know, I read an article about a, a new teacher in New England. He quizzed a group of college-bound seniors, and they were taking a class as Bible as literature, and so he wanted to discover how much of the Bible did they know before they took this class. And these are seniors. And among the most unusual answers from his students were Sodom and Gomorrah were lovers, Jezebel was Ahab's donkey, well, that may be kind of true. Uh, the New Testament Gospels were written by Matthew, Mark, Luther, and John. That Eve was created from an apple. That Jesus was baptized by Moses. And that Golgotha was the giant that slew, that uh, the apostle David slew. So as you can see from those answers, these seniors really had no clue about what the Bible actually taught. And what that reveals is there was no mature believers in their life that communicated biblical truth to them, whether parents, whether teachers, maybe they never were in church. If they were, that would be a real sad testimony of that church. But, you know, they just didn't get that. They became just biblically illiterate. And I think our culture is becoming more and more biblically illiterate. And that's not good. That's not a healthy thing for us, but as believers, we are the ones who can change that by helping communicate the Word of God to others. And so I want to encourage you in this new year, not only do you need to take time to make sure you personally are studying the Word of God for yourself, but take it a step further and say, you know, as I study the Word of God for myself, I want to then take those things that I learn and encourage others with them. 
when I get together with family or friends, even when I'm at work or whenever there's an opportunity that I'm going to take these things and I'm going to communicate them to others. So the first reason why this spiritual decline happened is that these believers were dull of hearing, they were lazy, they were hard-hearted toward the Word of God. The second reason is they were not teaching God's Word to others because they were not investing in God's Word themselves. And the third reason is in the last part of verse 12 through verse 14, which says this, And you have come to need milk and not solid food. For everyone who partakes only of milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. But solid food belongs to those who are full of age, that is, those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. Because these Hebrew believers are dull of hearing, are lazy, are hard-hearted towards the word of God, they have come to a place where they need milk instead of solid food. Now the author is painting a picture here of the immature baby and what it's only able to eat versus a mature adult and what it's able to eat. You see, babies, they can only drink milk. That's the only thing as a baby that their body is able to digest. But as a baby grows a little and matures, all of a sudden, they go from milk to, you know, those Gerber canned, mushed up, you know, carrots and peas. And, you know, they can kind of move to, you know, kind of a mushy meal. And as they mature even more, they get to the point where they're able to eat some solid foods. And then finally, they're going to come to that place where they've matured to the place of being able to eat any solid food that they want. So the ability to eat solid food is a sign of physical maturity, and the ability to only drink milk is a sign of physical immaturity. Now the author is using this physical example to paint a picture and help the Hebrews see where they're at spiritually. Spiritually, they're like babies. Spiritually, the only thing that they're able to consume is the milk of God's Word when they should be mature enough at this point in time to be consuming the meat, the solid food of God's Word. Now, I think it's important to note there's nothing wrong with being a physical baby who can only drink physical milk and you know when they're one year old. But the problem comes when that baby's five years old and they can still only drink milk. You know, if my girls were five years old and all they could do is drink the bottle and there was nothing else they ate, that would be problematic. They have, should have matured past that to be able to eat far more than just milk. And so there's nothing wrong when someone just gets saved and the only thing they can take in is the spiritual milk of the Word of God. Well, that's normal. They're just saved. But if they've been saved for five years, for 10 years, for 15 years, and all they're still doing is drinking that milk, that's a problem. They should have matured to solid food spiritually, to the meat of the Word of God. And if they're staying just with the milk... That's not good. Now with the believers here in what we're looking at in this passage, you know, they have something that's even worse. There's a lot of believers who just stay babies. You know, they get saved and they never grow. And they're just babies for a long, long time. And that's not good. But something even worse than that is maturing and then going backwards. And that's what we're seeing here with these Hebrew believers. Notice we're told in verse 12, you have come to need milk and not solid food. The implication is that always wasn't the way it was with you. 
We see the same thing in verse 11, which says, since you have become dull of hearing. Dull of hearing was something they had to become. They weren't always dull of hearing. So what the author is revealing is that the Hebrew believers, at one time, you guys were much more mature spiritually than you are now. Their problem is they have declined spiritually. They have gone from a spiritual maturity to a spiritual immaturity. They have gone from acting like adults to acting like babies. They have gone from eating solid food to going back to drinking the bottle. Now imagine if an adult who used to eat chicken and steak for dinner one day came home, opened a jar of Gerber, and that was the only thing they would eat. And for months they just ate that. Yeah, you'd be concerned. And then, you know what, after those months they come home, they won't even do that anymore. They just drink milk from a bottle. And if you saw someone who went from eating solid food to going all the way to just drinking milk from a bottle, you would be alarmed. You would recognize that there's a problem here. Spiritually, the same thing. We got people who was like, hey, I've been eating the solid food of the word, and now I kind of went to the mush stuff, and, and now I'm back to the milk. There's a decline happening spiritually. Now, the author reveals what he means when he's giving this illustration of milk drinkers and meat eaters. Notice what he says in verses 13 and 14. For everyone who partakes... Only of milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. But solid food belongs to those who are full of age, that is, those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. So here the author tells us that those who drink only milk, they are unskilled in the word of righteousness and do not have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. But those who are able to eat spiritual meat are skilled in the word of righteousness and have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. Now, there are two phrases here that I want to draw your attention to, skilled in the word and senses exercised. You see, both of these phrases speak of effort. They speak of hard work. You see, in order to be skilled in something, you got to put effort into it. you got to put hard work towards it. If you consider the most skilled musicians or the most skilled athletes or skilled workers in a, a particular field or, or a skilled teacher, the reason that a person has that skill, especially at that level, is because they put a lot of effort and time and hard work into developing those skills. On the other side, if you want to exercise in something like your body or your senses, that also takes a lot of hard work. If you want your muscles, if you want your senses and your body to be in good shape, well, then you're going to have to exercise regularly in order for that to happen. Now, each one of us have five physical senses. We got sight and we got smell and taste and touch and hearing. But you know what? If you want to have those become more useful and develop, then you got to exercise them. Now, there's also a, a spiritual counterpart to each of our five physical senses. We have a, a spiritual sense of taste. There's more verses up there than I'll read, but Psalm 34, 8 says, Taste and see the Lord is good. We have a spiritual sense of hearing. Revelation 2, 7, He who has an ear to hear what the Spirit says to the churches. We have a spiritual sense of sight. 
Psalm 119, 18, open my eyes and I might see the wondrous things from your law. We have a spiritual sense of smell. For, uh, 2 Corinthians 2, 15, for we are to God the fragrance of Christ among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. We have a spiritual sense of touch. Ephesians 4, 18 and 19, the hardening of their hearts who being past feelings have given themselves over to licentiousness. Now, if you don't do anything with physical senses, physical muscles, for a long enough time, it's going to produce physical atrophy. You know, those things will no longer work. It's kind of use it or lose it mentality. And there's that same kind of mentality with spiritual senses. If we don't do anything with our spiritual senses, uh, if we're not actually exercising these things, then we're going to have a spiritual atrophy. These things that could be a great benefit to us really don't do anything in our life. And that's what's happening with these Hebrew believers. They are not exercising their spiritual senses. And notice the cause of this. We're told they're not now able to discern what is good and evil. Because they're not exercising their senses, they cannot discern what is good and evil. I mean, that's a pretty important thing to be able to discern. And this is something that you see with believers and you're thinking, how in the world could you ever think doing that was okay? How in the world could you ever think that was right? Well, when they're dull of hearing, when they're not in the word, when they're not exercising themselves spiritually, they are ignorant to what God says. They're taking in all this junk from the world, and then they start making these conclusions of, yeah, it's okay if I do this, and no, it's not a problem if I have this kind of relationship, and it's okay if I go here and, and watch this, or whatever it may be. When a mature believer looks at that and says, what are you thinking? Surely you can see that's wrong. But no, they've got to a place where they can't even discern the, what, the things that they should discern. And this group is also not skilled in the Word of God. They're unskilled because they haven't put any effort. They're dull of hearing. They're lazy when it comes to God's Word. So the third reason why these Hebrew believers declined spiritually and were spiritually immature is because they went back to a baby diet of milk and neglected the meat of God's Word, which caused them to be unskilled and unexercised in God's Word. Now here's the reality for us. It takes a lot more physical effort to eat meat than it does to drink milk. It takes a lot more spiritual effort to find and chew on the meat of God's Word than it does to find and drink the milk of God's Word. And I think that's one of the reasons why Christians neglect going deeper. A lot of people, they neglect going deeper into God's Word. Why? Because it's harder. It takes more effort. It takes more time. It takes more brain power. And it's like, you know what? I don't want to put all that effort into it. I don't want to take all that time. I'll just get the easy stuff that's just super obvious right here. I'll take that. That's good enough for me. I don't need to dig deeper. I don't need to find things that are more meaty in substance. You know, there's a big difference between studying the Bible and just reading it. You know, for years, all I did is just read the Bible, and I actually even came to the conclusion, this isn't doing much for me. Well, because I wasn't studying it. I could walk away, I read my chapter, and someone could say, well, what'd you, what'd you read? Oh, I read this chapter. Yeah, I know, but what was in it? Oh, uh, well, um, I don't really remember much, because you know, I never really engaged with the text. I didn't really discover what it meant. I just kind of read it, checked the box. Look at me, I'm going to get through the Bible in a year. I'm so good. And, but you know what? I don't have a clue what it's talking about. 
There might be some little obvious things that are there. Oh, Jesus loves me. Wonderful. I can go through the day with that. But I didn't really grab anything deep or meaningful because I didn't study. And then all of a sudden when I shifted to studying, I never concluded, man, this doesn't do anything for me. Bible time is a waste because I had those thoughts before when I just read it. But when I started studying, I never had those thoughts because I realized, wow, there's so much here. There's so much for me. There's so much growth that can come through this. You know, when you study the Word of God, it produces a much greater meal of meat that's going to fill you so much deeper than just some milk. But it takes time. It takes effort. It takes a lot more. Now, I don't want you to think, well, the, the ABCs or the milk of God's Word is not important. Sure, they're important. But they're foundational. We, we shouldn't just stay at that place, which unfortunately a lot of believers do. Warren Wiersbe wrote this, The ABCs of the Christian life are important, but they must be a launching pad and not a parking lot. You know, the ABCs of the, of the Word of God, the milk, the foundational things, those are great, but they should be a launching pad to go deeper, not a parking lot where we just stop and sit and say, well, that's good enough for me. I'll just stay here. This is fine. I can just be here for the rest of my Christian life. No, these things should just give us a greater desire. Man, if that's true, I want to find out even more. I want to go even deeper. I want to discover the treasures as I dig into the Word of God. Well, I've encouraged you to make a commitment to study the Bible for yourself. Make a commitment to share those things with others. And I want to encourage you with one more final encouragement. And that's a commitment to go deeper in your study of God's Word. Learn to go deep. Learn to really study the Word. To not walk away without grabbing some meat to take with you. And if you don't know how to do that and you're like, you know, I'd love to go deeper I'd love to really grab meat. I'd really love to learn how to do that. Come speak with me. I'd love to help you learn how to get deeper in the Word of God. You know, Paul gave a great challenge in 2 Timothy 2.15 that I think really kind of sums up well what we've looked at this morning. So let's just finish with this verse. 2 Timothy 2.15 says, Be diligent to present yourself approved to God, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. May that be our heart's desire as we enter into 2021. Let's make a commitment to be diligent studiers of the word of God so that we're not ashamed of our ignorance to God's word, but instead we can rightly divide the word of truth because we've invested the time in doing it. You know, this is going to help us to be better studiers of the Bible ourselves. It's going to help us to share what we learn more effectively with others. It's going to help us go deep in the word of God. But you know what? It's also going to protect us. It's going to protect us from the things that cause the Hebrew believers to decline spiritually and become spiritually immature. It'll help protect us from being dull of hearing, from being lazy and hard-hearted towards the Word of God. It's going to help protect us from not teaching the Word of God to others. And it's going to help protect us from going back to a baby diet of milk and leaving and neglecting the meat of God's Word. So if you want to spiritually grow in 2021... Make the Word of God a priority in your life. 
I think that's one of the great things you can do. It's like, all right, I want to have a priority shift, right? I just want to consider my priorities in 2020 and see, you know, do I need to make any changes? Well, I'll say this. If the Word of God hasn't been a priority, that should be a big change you make. But another thing, as you come into 2021, make sure Jesus is your focus. Even as you're studying the Word of God, always be looking, what can I learn about Jesus? What does it say about Him? How can I deepen my understanding of Him and my relationship with Him? And those two things together, moving into this new year, I guarantee will bring a great blessing to your life. And I just want to finish this morning as we have the first Sunday in this new year. You know, let's take a moment to put the focus on Jesus, put the focus on what Jesus did for us. And we're just going to take a moment to uh, partake of communion together and just remember Jesus' sacrifice on the cross. And in a moment, I'm going to have the worship team come up and, and they're going to lead us in a song of worship. And, you know, uh, it's always a great time for us to worship with them. But you know what? If you're here and you've been struggling spiritually and you need the help from the Lord, I want to encourage you just as the worship team's playing this song, just come before the Lord and say, God, I want to grow. I'm struggling spiritually. I need your help. And just come be real with Him. If you've been neglecting the Word of God and you want a new passion, you want a new hunger for it, I just encourage you as the song's being played, just come before the Lord. Lord, I, I want to really desire your Word. I need you to, to help me with that. You know, if you haven't been sharing God's Word with anyone or, or maybe just with a few and you want to increase that, Lord, just, just help me. Help me to have a greater boldness with that. Give me more opportunity for that. And like any time that we take communion, if there's sin in your life that you haven't confessed, This is the perfect time just to get right with Jesus, confess that to him, and that we come with a clean slate to communion as we remember him. And so I'm going to have the worship team come on up. Hopefully you grabbed the communion elements as you came in. And so just hold on to those, and I'm going to come on up after the worship team leads us in a song of worship, and uh, we'll partake of those together.